Hey, good morning, everybody. It is so good to see each of you. Um, what's this on the floor up here that I just found as you watch that? Oh, Mason, I think you dropped your phone. Um, <laughs> do you want to? He was standing here, right? Wasn't that Mason with his phone there? Um, things that are outdated, huh? How about that? How many of you, uh, you're still walking around with a flip phone? Nobody wants to claim that? No one wants to say that's yours, that, that you're holding on to that? My son was rather impressed that we were able to find that and pull that out still today. Um, uh, it really wasn't Mason's. How many of you thought that it was? Were you holding out for that a little bit? Uh, things that are outdated. Hey, my name is Joel, and I am so glad to be here with you this morning. Um, as we get ready, we are starting a new series, and if you haven't figured it out, it is Outdated is the title, and we are going to take a look over the next four things, uh, about over the next four weeks, at four different things that may be viewed today as outdated. Well, how do you view them? Do you look at them as outdated? Do you look at them as something that, well, I don't know. Um, we want to take a look and hopefully a look at Scripture and bring to you the idea that there are some truths that even though we like to think, ooh, that's not so pleasant to think about anymore, or that's not the, uh, that's not the right thing to be thinking about today, um, they are still true. So we are going to be taking a look at scripture, going through these things. And this morning, I just want you to know, talking about things that are outdated, um, Pastor Tim always, always does a great job. And he comes up and he brings his iPad up with him and he uses that. I don't know how many of you notice that, but he uses his iPad as he goes along in the morning. So this morning I was looking to bring along my, my material with me. Um, about 10 years ago when I went to college, I like you guys much better. The first group started early in the first service. They started laughing right away at that. They, I, I don't understand. But when I headed off to college, I, I went off to college with this right here. Look at that beauty. Huh? Tell me, yeah, tell me you don't love that right there. That was, that was cutting edge technology, IBM PC Junior, and I had the dot matrix printer to go with it. It was lovely. I was, whew, man, was I... Let me tell you, I wasn't outdated. That was right up there. I mean, yeah. Other people, you know what they brought? They brought these big things that you lugged around in a suitcase called a typewriter. All right? And they used those. All right? I see fancy, fancy like this. So what I wanted to do is I was hoping I could pull one out and set that up here and use that this morning to go through. But I, I didn't have the right connections to get it all up and going. So... Unfortunately, no PC Junior for our outdated morning this morning, right? Um, but week one, as, as we start this week, week one of outdated, we're, we're going to talk about something, and, and I, I have a little bit of fun. I, I like to joke about some things up here, but, but it's actually going to be, it's a, it's a difficult subject, week one. It's a, it's a difficult subject to look at, and because it's, it's a true subject, um, the way we look at it today, sometimes we step back and we're like, well, that's true for some people, but it's not necessarily true for others. I, I don't know that I want to believe in that. I don't know why, that I want to hold that. And it's, and it's a little bit difficult. And what we're going to be looking at this week is, is the idea of, um, of hell. And that's why, it's, that's why it's difficult to talk about. Because when you're talking about hell, you're, you're talking about eternal damnation is what you're really talking about there. And in our culture and in society and in our world today, we, we certainly can make up a lot of jokes about it, right? And we can put Satan into a little, co into a little costume, cute little costume, have him wandering around and have, have fun with that. But the reality of it is that, that it's not fun, that it's not pleasant. 
um, we, can, we can throw some jokes. As a matter of fact, right, right here is one for us this morning, right? Um, do you know what hell is? Come hear our preacher. Don't laugh at that. The front rows. <laughs> See? I, that's it. Oh, nuts. We got them up there too. All right? No more of that. Um, as you see, the front three rows, most of them got the message on that one already, and they did not come this morning. But um, thank you, you two, for representing at least. I appreciate that. But, but we, we laugh and we have fun with that because it, because it is, because there, there's parts of it that are funny. And for others of you, it's very serious. You, you sit and you're there like, you may feel like your life is a living hell right now. Or you might know people that are, feel like they are going through that right now. And yet the, the truth of the matter is that, that the seriousness, the seriousness of hell is something that we are going to look at this morning. As we address this idea, is, is hell just outdated? And that was for years ago. And thousands of years ago, people came up with that so that they could scare people, so that they could scare them into behaving, be, scare them into acting the way that they wanted them to, to act, behave, whatever it may be. Or is hell a place that is real? So we're going to take a look at that. But there's a couple things as we start. I, I just want to follow through with a few principles as we look at this. And a few principles is we're going to talk about what is true, right? As we, as we talk about things that are outdated, and as we talk about hell this morning, what is, what is true? And then not only what is true, but who decides what is true? Who's, who's the decision maker? Who gets, to make out, who gets to figure out what is true? Is it me, right? I, you see, I want to be my own God, and I want to determine what is true for me, right? I want to be able to say it's true for me, but it may not be true for you. Well, that may work with, with things that aren't really true, but things that are true, it doesn't matter what I decide. You see, hell, no matter how much I believe in it or don't believe in it, doesn't change whether it exists or not. I can believe in it as, in a, in a, as much as I want, and if it doesn't exist, my belief in hell doesn't believe it into existence, right? And the opposite of that is true as well. If you don't believe in it, just the mere fact that you don't believe in it doesn't mean that there isn't a hell. Well, I don't believe in it, so it's not there. Well, well, that's, that's not a truth statement. That's not, I mean, that can be your opinion, but that's not a truth statement. My, my beliefs can't believe something into happening, can't believe it into being true, all right? or any less if I don't believe, right? Do, do we understand that? Do, do, hopefully I say that clearly as I, as I go through that. So, so me, all right, who decides what is true? We, we got to be careful with that. Why? Because I can be deceived. The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked, uh, is, is wicked and, uh, and deceitful above all things. Who can know it? All right, a group. How about a group? Um, there are things that go on in groupthink that if you think that a group is allowed to determine truth, you, we need to reconsider that, right? Just think about this week in our own world. You can look back at our own world and see things that group think go through, and you're like, well, well, that's not true, uh, right? I mean, you can just, you can go back through and work through that all you want, but a group doesn't determine what is true. As a matter of fact, groups like to sometimes come up with things that aren't true and just say, well, we believe it, and it's good enough for us, right? If I believe it, that's good enough for us, it's true. Well, 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 groupthink certainly doesn't work. How about nature? Nature is, nature is probably at least consistent for the most part of what is true. But think about nature. 
who wants to be the smallest, um, the smallest animal in the pack, or who wants to be the largest animal? Who wants to be the hunted, and who wants to be the hunter? You see, if I am the hunted, what I know is I don't want to be the slowest of those being hunted, correct? If somebody is chasing, as long as I'm faster than you, I at least get to live another day, correct? Or maybe you want to be the king of the jungle. I want to be the lion, and I just determine whatever, I, right? I want to go out, and I'm going to determine whatever I like is best, and I go out. So nature, all right, nature's style of truth, oof, we, we might want to be careful with that as well. And then how about a religious book? Do religious documents determine truth? Right? For, for us, we want to say, oh, yeah, that's the Bible. The Bible's truth. But, but what about somebody else? They bring in their religious document. And they say, no, 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 our religious document is true. So even when we look at this one, even when we look at a religious book, we still need to be cautious. We still need to be careful in how it is that we are looking, right? Because there are many religious documents. So we need to be cautious. So what's the determiner? What's, what, what makes truth to you and truth to me and who gets to choose it all? Think about it. In the time of Christ, Pilate looked at Christ and said, what is truth? What was he saying there? Who gets to determine? Who gets to choose? What, what is truth? And the same is true for us. One of the things that I want to encourage you, and we are going to look at scripture this morning. I want to encourage you. Um, my, my thought is this. If you can predict your death, right? Some people can predict their death. But if you can predict your death, your burial, and then you can predict your resurrection, I may just go with that person. And that's what Jesus Christ did, right? Jesus looked at his disciples and told them, look, I am going to be leaving you. No, 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 don't leave us. We want you to be king. We're planning to set you up. We have this whole revolution coming forward. You're the guy that has the power. We're going with you. No, 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 I, I am going to be, I'm, I'm going to leave you, all right? And he makes them aware and they're still not believing it. And then he's crucified. And when he's crucified, they're standing there and they look and they see him crucified and they run and they disperse. Why? Because they're afraid that they're next. And also they're wondering what's going on. And yet none of them were at the tomb that Sunday morning, right? They didn't have the helium balloons out there that Sunday morning celebrating he's back, right? The big sign, there was none of that for them. There wasn't a countdown, 10, 9, 8, here he comes, right? There was none of that. Why? Because they believed exactly what you and I believe. People that die stay dead. Individuals that are crucified on a Roman cross don't get back up a couple of days later. So they were hiding and they were nervous and all of a sudden Jesus Christ is risen. Somebody comes to them and says, Hey, the tomb is empty. They run down and they take a look. What's going on? And suddenly their minds start to stir. And guess what? They see a risen Jesus Christ. And it's what changed the world. It's what changed the way we live our lives today. It's what changed the face of the world. We don't always think that, but, we, but, we, but, but it's true. Go back to nature. Might makes right. Why do you and I, why do we sit here and we look at what takes place in Ukraine today and we're there like, ah, oh, it's terrible. Why do we see the atrocities of people being killed and we think it's horrible? Why don't we just say, well, too bad. Should have been tougher. Toughest to a guy on the block wins, right? I mean, that's what it was for centuries. Whoever the biggest is, right? The Roman world, they come through, they, whoop, they, sweep, they sweep through and they destroy everything. Prior to that, what did it been? It had been the Greek empire. They come through, they destroy everything. Whoever's biggest takes over. But what happened? The Christian church, for all the ills that we may have throughout, the, throughout our history, changed the world for the better. Why? Because Jesus said, I want you to love 
others as I have loved you. And it changed the idea. It changed the mantra of might makes right. Do you know what? How can I serve you? So that when we see atrocities, we look at that and we don't just turn our heads and we say, well, too bad for them. Right? Our heart breaks. So when it comes to truth, I want to present to you this morning, I want to present to you Jesus Christ as the purveyor of truth. Jesus Christ is the hope of truth. And as we do that, there are a couple of principles that I want to follow along. What is true, all right? We want to take a look. What is true? Where scripture is clear, let's speak clearly, all right? There are points where we take scripture and it is very clear. There aren't, dis- there aren't discussions. Well, there are pe- some people may discuss it. Some people may wonder, but it's not, hmm, I wonder if Jesus really rose from the dead. Right? If you hold to the belief of Christianity, Jesus rose from the dead. Why? Because individuals saw it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they all reported to it. Matthew, Mark, and John were probably there to observe it. Not sure if Luke was there to observe it, but Luke said, I went back and did a full account to find out. Peter, guess what? He observed it. James, the brother of John, right? Excuse me, James, the half-brother of Jesus, declared what? Jesus was his Lord. Anybody here have a brother? Any of you ready to declare your brother your Lord? Yeah, I didn't think so. Right? We're not ready to do that. My siblings, if they were here, they may think differently. Thank you. No, no, no. I'm being smart. My siblings aren't here so I can pick on them a little bit, right? But yeah, no. They're not going to declare that. They, they, none of us think that. And yet James said that. Why? Because he had seen his brother crucified. He had seen him on the other side of the grave. He had seen him risen. And that is what changed the world. It changed the belief in the first century, and it continues to change the world today. So when we talk about this principle, where Scripture is clear, let's speak clearly. And then the next part of that is, where Scripture isn't clear, let's not pretend that it is. Let's be cautious. Do you realize different people have different thoughts on different aspects of Scripture? Think about the end times. There are all sorts of thoughts about the end times. I could stand up here and pound. I know everything about what's going to happen for the end times. Why? Because I've studied it. I've read about it. And I know that I am right. And the rest of you, you just enjoy being wrong. How many of you like it when the pastor does that? There are people that do that, right? We don't want to be a part of that. You know what? Sometimes there are good believers that hold to different thoughts. But when it comes to hell, there aren't two options. There's not an option of, well, maybe it is existing, maybe it isn't existing. And this morning, we're going to take a look at a couple of passages that hopefully lead us to that. So I would encourage you to take out your, uh, take out your device. If you want to take out your device, I'll pull out mine. Oh, this is the wrong one. Again, outdated. Right? No good. If you have your device, you can pull that out. Hopefully, it's a, hopefully if it's an iPhone, if it's not an iPhone, you have an IF brand product. I am sorry about that. But bring up your Bible on there and take a look at that. Or open your Bible that you brought with you and bring that up there. And if you don't have either of those with you, we will have the verses right up here on the, on the front of the screen as well. But I want you to know, we are, we are looking at Scripture, and this morning, where we are starting, we are starting in the book of Revelation, which is the last book of the Bible. As a matter of fact, we are going in the, thir- in the 20th chapter, which is the third to last chapter in the Bible, to take a look. And I just want you to get a little bit of an insight, a little bit of a thought as to what it is that we are talking about when we talk about 
hell. Why? Because Jesus talks about hell. And we're going to go back in a, in a couple of minutes and we're going to take a look at a passage in Luke where Jesus talks about hell. But right here, I just want you to get the idea as to what hell is like. And Revelation is John the apostle, the one that spent so much time with Christ here on earth and then continued to proclaim him for the rest of his life, writes this passage as he has seen a vision, as he has given a vision from God above. And as he writes, these are the things that he writes. And this is what he's going to write. When the thousand years are over, and that is part of what I talked about, end times talk right there. Different thoughts, different things. That's not what we are looking at this morning. Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth. And it jumps down, when we jump down to verse 10 there, and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Get the picture here. There is something here, a lake of burning sulfur that they are thrown into. Let's continue on. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seating on it. Earth and sky fled from his presence and there was no place for them. This great white throne judgment, just a little quick, uh, just a little quick overview for you. If you are a follower, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, this great white throne, this is not referencing you. It is referencing people who have died that have not put their faith in Jesus Christ. There is another judgment that takes place in Revelation right here as well that talks about the believer. And guess what? We are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, the righteousness of Jesus Christ covers you and it takes care of you and your name is written in the book of life and you are there. But this is one where they aren't in there and it continues on. Um, and I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Dead, they're right, they're brought back to life and look what it continues on. The sea gave up the dead that were in it. And death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what he has done. The sea, all the dead that were in the sea, somehow they come back. See, death doesn't rescue us from this judgment. It's not rescuing. It's not just, oh, I'll, at, least if I, at least I die and I'll be all right there. No, no, no. It's not eternal rest. There's going to be eternal punishment. The death and Hades, it continues on, were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Where do we get the idea that hell is a place of a lake of fire? Right there. It's from scripture. It is from the writings that we have talking about scripture and about hell. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire the place that we call hell. You see, Scripture talks about it, and it talks about it as a real place. It doesn't make it up as fictitious. It doesn't make it up as just some part of comedy. It doesn't make it up part, as some part of a cartoon where Satan's going to be prancing around, having fun, and we're all going to go, and we're just going to enjoy our friends there. That is not the case. Jesus, when he was on earth, talked multiple times about hell. 
He did not hold back in talking about it. And in one, on one occasion, as he is talking about it, it's going to be in Luke chapter 16. And I would encourage, if you want, you can turn back there. Again, the words will be up right here, uh, up here as well. But Luke chapter 16, Jesus is going to tell his disciples and those that are around him that are listening to him, he's going to give them a parable. And he's going to talk to them. And he's going to give them this idea as to what takes place, what is taking place after death. And in a parable, remember, a parable is putting out a truth. The characters in this may not be the actual characters. These two, they very well, it may be. There may be a story like this. But Jesus is proclaiming a truth, all right, using a parable, using a story to bring about the truth. And as he does that, he says this, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. Here is a guy who is well taken care of. He's wealthy in life. And Jesus gives him as a representation. And as he talks to the listeners, <clears throat> please understand, the people hearing this, this would be one of the good people. If this guy is living well, that means that God's blessings have been upon him. So when they hear this story about him, they're like, oh, well, this is a guy. This is a good guy. This is a guy that God is shining his favor upon, taking care of. Jesus continues on. And at his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The comparison is between this man, the rich man, and this guy right here, the beggar. Ooh, probably a sinner. God's judgment is probably on this guy. Yeah, that's why he's a beggar. That's why he's at the door. Ooh, the dogs coming like his sores. This... This is disgusting. So as you hear this story in their minds, the, the, the people of the day, they have already made their decisions. One good, one bad. One favored by God, the other not favored by God. But Jesus continues on and he says this, the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. What, the beggar? Jesus, did you mess up the story here? Did you get it backwards or something like that? And the rich man also died and was buried. Jesus, um, help me out here. I thought the rich was blessed, the poor, the beggar, yeah, not so good. Jesus continues on. In Hades, where he was in torment, the rich man, this is, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. There are three surprises, three things that I want you to remember to know about hell. Good people go there, right? Good, quote unquote, people go there. You see, the story here with the rich man, the rich man is somebody that society would have viewed as good. And each one of us, we're aware that there are good people around us that don't believe in God. There are good people around us that to them, the name Jesus Christ is no more than a curse word. The place, the location of hell is no more than just something to, to curse about and use as a curse word. You see, good people, quote unquote, are people that think that their works, that I'm good enough. I mean, for some of us here today, right? We might look down the aisle and I know I'm better than that person, right? I took a look at their social media page this week. Whew, I'm much better than them, Right? But the problem with that is, how good is good enough? How good do I have to be? Do I have to be pulling, back, pulling a name out from the past? Do I have to be Billy Graham good? Is that how good I have to be? Because he was really good. Um, ooh. Or how about another, Mother Teresa? Do I have to be Mother Teresa good? She served the poor all of her life. 
How good? How good do I need to be? Or how bad? Well, maybe if I'm just average. Maybe if I'm just safe right in that C zone, right? All right, there might be some overachievers up there. All right, yeah, you're the holy, holy people, all right? And you're ahead of me. But let me help you out. There's still plenty of people below me, right? I'm not the guy that's out doing that on Friday night. I'm not the guy out doing that on Saturday night. That's not me. There's still plenty... So when it comes to good people, we've got to determine how good is good enough. And for so many of us, the truth of that comes back to me. I determine how good good enough is. I think that I'm the determination of that. And yet right here, as we look at this passage, we're made aware that, you know what? There's not good enough. Jesus was using a man that would have been viewed as good and said, no, 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 it wasn't him. Right here, Jesus, as he continued to talk about hell, He said this, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And what does he say? Many enter through it. You see, Jesus is even using the idea, he's even stating the statement of, listen, there are many that are going to go to destruction. There are many that choose to follow the wide road. Wait, wait, wait. Jesus says that? Yes, that's Jesus. The words of Jesus. Jesus believed in literal destruction. He believed that there is a heaven and he believed that there is a hell. And he talked about them regularly. But wait, Jesus is all, yes, Jesus is love. But there's also a decision that we must make. So the first thing we want to see is about hell. We want to be aware that good people go there. Let's jump back to our story. So the rich man All right, he called out, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. Father, please send him just to dip a little, all I want is a little dip of water on my tongue. I'm in agony. What? I thought hell was a celebration. I thought it was a place where I'll be with my friends. You know what? I may be on a way, I may be on my highway to hell, but at least I'll know all my friends are there and we'll be having a good time together there. Not the case. As a matter of fact, what is he going to continue on and say? He's going to continue on. But Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime, you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And he continues on. And besides all this, Between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. So what's his response? The rich man response responds with this. Then I beg you, all right? He answered, then I beg you, father, send Lazarus to my family for I have five brothers Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. What else do we learn about hell? It's horrific. Not only is there the good people go there, it's a horrific place. You see, this rich man, as he is there, he is aware of his family and he's aware of how they believe. He's aware of what their situation is. And it's not, hey, I want my brothers to come hang out with me here. It's I'm aware of how horrible this is. Go back, let them know so that they don't end up here with me. I don't want them here with me. The picture that is being painted of hell is not a place of pleasantries, not a place of fun, not a place of partying, not a place of enjoyment, but rather a place of agony, a place of torment, a place that is not pleasurable, 
a place that you don't want anybody to be at. Let's continue on with our story. Just jumping back to the previous verse again, it says this, he answered them, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. And Abraham replied, and what does he tell them? He tells them that they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. But the rich man, he's there like, yeah, they might have Moses and the prophets, but no, Father Abraham, he said, if someone from the dead goes to them, then they will repent. Listen, just send somebody back from the dead. If I can come back, send Lazarus back to them, right? That's what his whole point was here. He wants Lazarus to go and warn them, make them aware. They will certainly respond. um, Abraham responded. He said to him, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Think about that as Jesus is telling this parable probably just weeks, maybe a few months prior to being the one that is going to rise from the dead. As Jesus delivers this parable, as he delivers this story, he's well aware that there will be one that rises from the dead. And he's well aware that there will be many that still say, even in spite of him rising from the dead, even in spite of seeing him, that'll say, nope, not him. Wasn't him. Somebody else. We want to continue on in our ways. So what else do we learn about hell from this? We learn this, that the Bible... Right? That scriptures, that the words of Jesus, that the gospel of Jesus Christ, the words of Matthew, the words of Mark, the words of Luke, the words of John are the best witnesses to keep people from hell. And you know what that means? That means that you and I, we are some of the best witnesses to keep people from hell. Why are we some of the best witnesses? Because God has changed your life if you are a follower of Jesus Christ this morning. And you are a witness to the resurrection, to the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ to change the lives of the people around you. You see, hell is a place where unfortunately normal, everyday people will go if their lives aren't changed by the power of Jesus Christ. Hell is a horrific place. It's not a party zone. It's not where I'm going to hang out with my friends. It's not where I'm going to be reunited with oh, all the good times that we had. And we hold the keys. We hold the keys to proclaiming the truth. You see, the Apostle Paul in Romans actually talked about the very, in Romans chapter 3, where he goes on to talk about all of sin and falls short of the glory of God. He is the one that talks about there that, guess what, the prophets and the priests, excuse me, the prophets, they, they, they had talked about this in old times, and Jesus is the fulfillment of it, and it's by putting your faith and your trust in him that you are changed from death unto life. If hell is real, how then should we live, right? How should we live? Think about this. Hell is not God's decision to live without you. It's your decision to live without God. And I understand that if you are a theologian, that is a mouthful because right there are some words that we have to decide that we have debated for thousands of years have been argued and debated. What is what? But I want you to know this. What am I aware of? I am aware that God made a way so that what? So that you can put your trust in Jesus Christ. What did he say? For God so loved the world. That he gave, what? His one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have 
eternal life. So we look back and we say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, there's the key. We can do away with hell. Why? Because God so loved that he gave that all can have eternal life. But the verse, can, but not that verse, but the next verse says this, you see, because Jesus continued on, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Ah, so there it is again. Good. He didn't send his son to condemn. So aren't we all good again? But to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Unfortunately, there is a but that's right there. You see, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. So what is it? It's what you do with your thoughts. It's what you believe. Is the thought of hell just outdated? Is the thought of a risen Savior, Jesus Christ, just outdated? Jesus would say no. Jesus would say that there is still a final condemnation. Jesus would say that there is still the opportunity to what? Believe. And then guess what? There is no condemnation for those that believe. Wow. Hell is a real place. The year was 1860. 1860 in England, and one of the ways that we got energy back in that time, one of the ways that they got energy back in that time was in mines. We still do that today, right? And mines were certainly much more dangerous at that time. But there was a mine in England where there had been a number of deaths over the years. But during the past two years, they had created the ventilation system that had kept this mine in England safe and had been one of the safer ones. For two years, there had been no deaths until one day, around 150 men some as young as the age of 12, go down into this mine. And on that morning, some of the fumes, some of the airs, I guess, caught, combusted, and as a result, there were a handful that were killed instantly, and yet the rest of the men were trapped inside the mine. As a result of being trapped and as a result of not being able to get to them, all died. A week later, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, who had the uh, opportunity, who was, who was one of the wonderful pastors of that time, was a pastor in London, England. And as this news goes around the country, the heartbreak of those that are there, think about it in our terms, similar. Those of you that would think back to, 2000, right, back to 2001 and 9-11, the following Sunday, everybody shows up at church hoping to be encouraged. What's the encouragement that my pastor can bring in the midst of this tragedy, in the midst of this struggle? That would be probably a modern day comparison that we would have today of going back and saying, boy, just let us be encouraged. And if you remember back to those days, back in 2001, our churches were full for the next couple of weeks and then back to normal shortly thereafter. But back in 1860, Charles Spurgeon stands up and he speaks. And as they're waiting to hear the message, waiting to hear the encouragement, these are the words that he gives to those that are there. Why? Because he wants them to be aware that as your son went off to work that morning or as your husband went off to work that morning or as your neighbor or as your friend went off to work that morning, if they were one of yours, what was their life? What was their eternal situation? And he said these words, if sinners will be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. 
And if they will perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, at least let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions. And let not one go there unwarned and unprayed for. How about us? Are there those around us that we need to be in prayer for? Are there those around us that we need to reach out to? Are there those around us that we're aware? Are are we willing to have that sort of a mentality in our lives? We struggle sometimes. Why? Because the reality of hell becomes less and less in our minds sometimes. We're like, ah, I think good people go there. Jesus would say, no, saved people go there. Pastor Jeff announced uh, back at the end of the service, he's praying best invite cards. They're back there in the back. I would encourage you, if you've not had one, grab one. Get some names on there that you can pray for. Who is it that you can start investing your life in? And who is it that you can invite to a service? Why? Because we want to see people's lives changed. This morning on your way out, you're going to receive some Easter invite cards. Who is it that you can ask, that you can invite to come to the Easter service? Why? so that their lives can be changed. And finally, as I close this morning, what's, what's your situation? Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, be aware of this. This world is the most hell that you will ever experience. Your difficulties here, that's the most hell that you'll ever experience. However, if you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, be aware of this, that this world is the most heaven that you will ever experience. It's a heartbreaking, a heart, it's a sobering thought, I guess. But it's one to be, that is good to be reminded of. You see, this world is not all there is. There is something on the other side. Jesus proclaimed it. Jesus got victory over death. And he offers each of us salvation. I would ask that if that is you this morning, if you are walking without Christ, I would encourage you to come to myself, come to Pastor Jeff, grab Mason, grab another person that has a badge on this morning that says, may I help you and talk to one of us. Pray with me if you would, please. God, as we close our time together this morning, Lord, we are reminded that we come together as a church with the desire to honor you, but with the desire to point people to you, to point those in this world that are around us to the love of of our Savior, Jesus Christ, to a God who is able to forgive us of whatever it is that we've done. God, none of us will ever be good enough on our own. We can try and try and try, but all the good that we do is not good enough. You see, we need a Savior that steps in and rescues us. And Lord, I just pray this morning that if there are any who have not put their faith and trust in you, that they will come, Lord, that they will grab on, that they will grab a hold of myself, grab a hold of somebody else, whoever it is that may have brought them this morning, and ask them about the hope that we can have in Jesus Christ. So God, go with each one here. Bless, encourage. Lord, may we love you this week. May we desire to serve you this week. May we honor you with all that we say and all that we do. 
thank you. And we say thank you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. Uh, I had the privilege this morning of introducing a new song um, to you guys. It's a song that we're going to be singing as we build up to Easter in just a few weeks. And I uh, couldn't think of a better song than this uh, in regards to Easter. So I just want to invite you guys to stand and sing the song with us.